You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. And a good nerve Shabbos. Mashi Lipsker here. Delighted to be with you on this Erev Shabbos to share with you some inspiring thoughts that should make a difference. Inspiring thoughts about what the Parsha has to offer in terms of every day. Every moment of every day. Because really that is what Torah is. Torah is from the word guidance. Torah is called the Torah of life, the Torah of light. And more than anything, we need light. We need direction. We need focus. There is so much out there that tends to distract, that tends to confuse us. Even if we're adults, even if we're Bobas and Zetas, what exactly is life all about? Why are we here? What are we doing here? Are we doing it well? Yes, the world was created for a purpose. And everything and everyone, every event, every object, every person is here, not just for a purpose, but for the purpose. Something very specific. We say in the Shema, Hashem Echad, God is one. There is a unity in the Creator, and there's a unity in everything that He created. Yes, we live in a world that looks like it's got so many divisions. Plant life, animal life, man, outer space, the inanimate, There is so much going on in my head, so much going on in my life, in my community, in my country, in the world. Hashem Echad, everything actually can work together, and that's our job. Our purpose, our mission, our privilege is to actually live in a way where everything has a common theme. Hashem created everything. He continues to create everything right here, right now. And he does nothing for nothing. Everything has not only purpose, but godly, infinite purpose. And when we read history, of course, we think, wow, these dramatic things happened. God created the world out of nothing, and then there was this flood. And then there was Abraham that was rescued from the fiery furnace. Wow! The Jews descended into Egypt, ten plagues, the splitting of the sea, the taking out of a nation in the middle of the day, a nation from within a nation. Wow! Sinai, revelation, thunder, lightning, the mountain was smoking, Wow, lots has happened in our history. The clouds of glory that protected the people as they traveled through the desert for 40 years. Water from a rock, manna from heaven. Wow, victories in amazing battles with giants, miracles. The sun stops, things take place that alter nature. Yes, those are revealed wonders. 
because the nature that God put into place suddenly stops, changes. Instead of water flowing, water stands up like a wall. But in truth, the world is a wonder. That everything is here from nothing is a wonder. And that God continues to create as he did in the six days of creation. And he's not just doing it with the sun and the moon and the stars. He's not just doing it generally with seasons and sunrises and planets that are suspended and a seed becoming a fruit, a tree, a fruit, etc. Yes, there are national miracles. There are national and universal wonders. Our awesome universe that we live in. But there are personal miracles. We are a miracle. Our bodies are a miracle. Meeting, connecting, a friend, a shidduch, having a child, it's a miracle. A child, a person, a piece of meat can think and function. Health is a miracle. Where we earn a sustenance is a miracle. Some people try really hard and don't. Other people don't try that hard and do. Everything is a miracle. But ein balhanes makir benisoi. We get used to it. We don't recognize that God is right here next to me now, making everything happen and everything. It's a miracle. Everything. And above all, I am a miracle. And when we think or we hear that one day there's going to be no more war, no more jealousy, no more greed, no more illness, no more hunger, Mashiach, we think, oh, it's a miracle. Yes, life is a miracle. We are part of an ongoing, evolving miracle. It boggles the mind. I What am I? I'm a piece of flesh that can think, remember, act, react, create, decide. I can drive a car. I can cook a meal. It is a miracle. But the greatest miracle of all is that created, finite, limited man can bring the ultimate nachas to infinite God. How? In which way? What are we talking about? I? Man who is here today, withers and gone tomorrow, can bring nachas to the infinite creator? We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Conversations with Meshi only on 101.9 High FM. Pick and pay Norwood. At the Hyper, they have these pocket-saving sweet deals just for you. Pick-and-pay kosher marinated chicken flatties, assorted, for just $69.99 per kilo. And what about pick-and-pay fresh chicken at just $69.99 per kilo? Pick-and-pay kosher fresh chicken bry pack, $79.99 per kilo. And pick-and-pay fresh hake. 
headed, headed and gutted fresh at eighty nine ninety nine per kilo. Catch these and so many more specials in store. These specials are exclusive to Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood and only while stocks last. That's Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood, the very best place to shop when you want to buy a lot. Amashi Lipsker. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Bolok. And we're talking about the importance of each and every one of us, the miracle of each one of us, that we can bring Nachas, Nachas to the ultimate one, to our creator. It boggles the mind. I, small person, I, limited, created, finite creature, can bring joy, delight, pleasure to the ultimate, infinite creator. And I can actually, and I am actually the only one who can help, who can contribute to the fulfillment of God's vision, his purpose in creating the world. You know, the days are getting longer, which means tomorrow we'll have Shabbos for longer. We're going to light our candles by 5.17, and Shabbos won't end until 6.12. And the pleasure that we can give Hashem in keeping Shabbos or keeping any aspect of Shabbos is amazing, absolutely amazing. And so it reminds me of the story when somebody came to visit the Rebbe and the Rebbe was encouraging him to add in his Shabbos observance. But the Rebbe, he said, I've never kept Shabbos before. It would be too difficult to change. And the Rebbe said as follows, even if you feel that complete Shabbos observance is currently beyond your ability, why don't you take upon yourself? Why don't you start by taking upon yourself to honor Shabbos by abstaining from just one prohibited act that you otherwise would have done? The man felt it would be too difficult to change. And the Rebbe said, do one thing. Take a step. We may not be able to do everything, but we can always do something. And when we consider that we are the key, the catalyst to fulfilling God's dream of why he created the world, we begin to realize that we are a miracle that God has gifted us with the ability to breathe, the ability to think, to walk, to talk, to connect, to remember, to decide, to feed ourselves, to bring joy to others, any one of the above. There are unfortunately people who cannot do all of these things. If I can, I must rejoice. If I can't, I must focus on what I can do. And most of all, 
remember that we are here by God's will and his hashgocha protis, his divine providence, that we be exactly where we are, when we are, how we are, and that there's something that we do to complete all of creation in the state that we are in right now. What is God's dream? His dream is to dwell openly amongst us, physical world with the presence of God in it. And the concept is that God is our king, he's our creator, he's our father, but you cannot be a king if you don't have a nation. You can have, as we've said many times, a big family. You can be a great-great-grandfather. You can have 500 people in your family, but you're not a king. It's only when strangers address you in the way of rule over us, then when the strangers say, I will accept to listen to your dictates and you be a king over me, then a king becomes a king. And so there are angels, and yes, there are upper worlds, there are planets. Yes, there are treasures buried deep in the ground, but it is given over to man, and particularly that the Jewish nation have taken on this wonderful mission, that we will be the nation of the king, that Hashem is our melech, as we say in every bracha, melech ha'olam, king of the world. And not only that, but at Sinai we became, as it were, the wife. God was the chosom, we were the kala. And we need to prepare this home. He desired a home in this nether world. Man builds a house, woman makes it a home. But it's not just instant. There are challenges, because challenges mean we have to make choices. And when you choose meaningfully, it becomes real. You make a real contribution. It's not one-sided. We choose to be his nation. We choose him to be our king. We ask him to rule over us in an active way. We don't just talk, but we live, we walk the talk. And why did God create the world as mentioned? Because he desires to dwell amongst us. And in the Torah, there are some hidden references to the day when God will gather us in. But the only references, although they're a bit veiled, to the coming of the Mashiach and the final redemption and the goal being reached, the goal for which God created his world, is in the Parsha this week. Only this week. And strangely enough, through whom? Through an anti-Semitic, idolatrous, non-Jewish prophet. And the Parsha is talking about the goal, the future. Bilam. Or the prophet Balaam sees that in the future, God's desire will be actualized. 
It's the only parsha. And the Rambam, Maimonides, discusses it quite clearly. And the question is asked, why should there be even a veiled reference to that future time? Well, obviously, Hashem felt it necessary as the people were about to enter the Holy Land and live a settled material life in it, leave the wilderness where they had all their needs cared for and settle a land where they had to do mitzvahs that would require them to live a settled life, what we call a natural life, go to work in order to earn by the sweat of your brow, you will earn bread and so on. Why is it now that Hashem in the Torah gives them the promise of Mashiach. You know, he obviously felt it necessary to inspire them with a vision of what their ultimate destiny would be. They had an immediate goal to conquer the land and do mitzvahs in the land. But why? Let's remember when they were in the desert they had a secluded life. And to explain it more clearly, when a child is being raised by his parents, they protect, they provide all the needs, they send him to school, they nurture him, they clothe, they feed. And then the child needs to become independent. child needs to meet and marry encounter the challenges of relationships and work and work ethically and have children and encounter the challenges in having children and meet those challenges. It's like a bocher in the yeshiva is like in the wilderness. Everything's provided for him. And then out in the world. And you know, when you're a child... There can be joy and security. As an adult, we want to hold on to that positivity. Our parents are always telling us it's going to be all right. We feel connected to them. We feel safe. We feel joyful. We feel content. We feel confident. Hashem is with us. He is our Father. And we can meet all the challenges of life, remaining positive, joyful, confident when we are connected. And it's an amazing thing that Hashem sees it fit now before the people enter the land to tell them about the future. So some people ask the question, do we really need to hear about the future rewards and how wonderful it will be when Mashiach comes? Should we not just trust Hashem that he will give us a reward when the time comes. But why should we be concerned about when it will come, if it will come, what it will be? And there's a beautiful insight as to why Hashem specifically wanted the vision of Mashiach to be here at this point in the journey of the Jewish people as they were about to transfer. They were about 
to go into the land and leave the wilderness where they had all the security. When we have a clear vision of what we're working towards, it makes all the difference. When we see what the goal is, the quality of our work, the effort we put in is different. There's a positivity. There's an eye on the goal. There's a remembering that no matter what challenges come up, they're all part of getting us to the ultimate goal. So people wonder, once we know what Hashem wants of us right here and now, let's just do it. That's our job. Do we have to know the reward? If it's going to bring a reward, great. But Hasidus explains that it's important to have a reward because it mustn't just be carried out. We're doing the will of Hashem. It mustn't just be carried out in a kind of mechanical way. Hashem wants us to serve Him in an inspired way, with love, with joy, with passion. And all the challenges that we come up against, they are from Him. And we need to unpack them and find the great power, the light that's inside. Hashem wants us to be connected with every fiber of our being, with our head, with our heart, with our arms, with our legs, with our lives, with our 248 limbs. And he wants us to share his vision, breathe his vision. Our vision should be his vision. Our goals should be his goals. Of course, our relationship with Hashem should be based on absolute trust and unconditional devotion. I mean, we are his creatures, his creations, and every creature owes its creator that devotion. He knows us inside out. He invented us. He continually creates us. But that's only the basis. That's the basic. That's the beginning. Ideally, he wants us to be passionately um, connected, connected to his dream. What does Hashem dream about? What does Hashem long for? And that's why he shares with us his dream of the messianic future, the time of Mashiach. He shares it here in a prophecy. Interestingly, so the blessings and the predictions are in this week's parsha. Why should they, however, come out of the mouth of Bilam, who's an idolater, who's an anti-Semite? Well, basically, that heralds what's going to happen in the future. In the book of Isaiah, it says, Kings will be your nurturers. Queens will be your wet nurses. It also says, Foreigners will stand and tend your flocks. The sons of strangers will be your farmers and your vineyard workers. In the time of Mashiach, which we are told is coming very soon, it will be a time of destruction or annihilation of all evil. But more than that, it will be the transformation of evil into positive things, into good. And therefore, these prophecies had to come out of the mouth 
of an anti-Semite, an idolater, Balaam or Bilam himself. And not only that, every curse becomes a blessing. He changes, God changes the curses into blessings. We need to know that we are a spark of God, each one of us. And although we do have negative, we can change it. We do have things within us that we feel are trapping us. They are curses. We can turn them into blessings. And when we see others struggling and there's negative in them, yes, if God brings it to us, somehow we must have something that can help them turn their negative into a positive. The name Balak, the Parsha. Balak was a king, an evil king, but his name means cut off. Sometimes we feel cut off. We feel dead. We feel finished. And the Parsha, therefore, the very Parsha of Balak, has the promise of the future in it, telling us that we can renew our connection with our ultimate goal, with the goal of the universe, with the goal of our lives. Everything has a purpose, the negative and the positive. And by giving us things to work on, Hashem makes the choice real. We truly become, we truly become the servants of God. We truly become His nation. It's an amazing, amazing thing. We can indeed bring Nachis to the Creator. Be right back after this. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. The Jewish Community Survey of South Africa will be closing next week. It'll close Thursday, the 25th of July. You still have a chance to participate and have your say. Just go to www.jcssa2019.coza to sign up. For more information, please visit www.jcssa2019.co.za. Check out the Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash JCSSA2019. That's the Jewish Community Survey of South Africa. I'm Mashi Lipsker, and this is Chai FM, and we are talking the Parsha, which is called Balak after the evil king who instigated who caused this entire situation where he wanted to curse the Jewish people, and therefore he summoned the prophet Bilam or Balaam, to do so. But the Parsha is also named after him for another reason. And that is because the Mashiach actually comes from him. How is that so? Well, he's a direct ancestor of the Mashiach, of King David, 
King David was the great-grandson of Ruth, who was a Moabite princess who converted, and Ruth was a direct descendant from Bullock. In fact, we're told that Bullock perceived that the Messiah, the Mashiach, would be amongst his descendants. And he thought, he felt, that if he would have the Jews cursed, the greatness would remain in his own people. He was afraid of transforming evil into holiness. He did not want to do away with holiness. He hated holiness. And his hatred, actually, because of Hashem's making only good things happen, Hashem protects us all the time. And so the Parsha is named after him, not after Bilam, because he hated the essence of the Jewish people, what we stand for, what we're trying to do here in the world to bring the entire world to a level of holiness. And you know what? We are now in an incredible, incredible time in our history. We have the strength of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's alluded to in the parsha. Because when Bilam says, Meirosh Tzurim Arenu, he starts off by saying, I see this nation. They were created before the rocks were created, before the world was created. They will endure forever. They are the purpose of creation, to bring God's dream of living in physicality, but in a holy physicality, in a godly physicality, to fruition. He also refers to the merit of the patriarchs and the merit of the matriarchs. Who are the mountains? Who are the hills? Who are the tsurim? Who are the gvois? The patriarchs and the matriarchs. We have their merits. We have their DNA. We have their strength. Only because they broke ground but we have their royalty. We carry their determination somewhere within us. We each have a godly soul. That godly soul can never be tarnished, can never be extinguished, can never be deadened, can never be extinguished, God forbid, no matter what we do. And it just takes a little bit of work and it becomes a passionate flame for godliness. Everything has already happened in our history. We only have a little bit left to do. Bilam says, God took them out of Egypt, and he says it twice. And that's an allusion not only to the first redemption, but also the redemption in the future where he will take us out of exile. As the prophet in Micha says, as in the days when you left Egypt, will I in the future show you wonders? I will show, I'll show you, I'll show him the wonders. Everything that happened in the exile and exodus 
in the exile down into Egypt and the ex, and the exodus from Egypt is a prototype that will in the future repeat itself and has repeated itself and will ultimately repeat itself again with the coming of Mashiach or bring about the redemption. So let's look at something very important. We mentioned before that the man makes a house and the woman turns it into a home, that God created the world and his nation must make it a home. What's a home? A home is where you're comfortable. A home is where you don't have to hide any aspect of your personality. Your home, it's your chair and your couch and your bed and your fridge. It's your corner. It's home. There's nothing like home. And because there's nothing like home, it is given over to the woman, to the women, to make this world into a home for God. How do we make this world into a home for God? We start with our own homes. Our own homes must be a place that welcomes God, a miniature sanctuary for God. That is the prototype for how the world will be when the Mashiach comes. That in every aspect, the kitchen, Hashem is comfortable because it's kosher and blessings are made on the food, recognizing that the food belongs to Hashem. The bedroom is holy because the laws of family purity, of mikveh, of elevation are meticulously kept. The lounge is holy because there's no media there that brings in, God forbid, the negative. Holy books, holy pictures, things of people and things of places that uplift, that inspire. Because everything creates an energy. Is there an energy of a Shabbos table, which is keeping in mind that God created the world and that he took us out of Egypt, which is what Shabbos commemorates? As the mom takes the child to bed, saying the Shema with your child, kissing the mezuzah with your child. As the mom gets her child up in the morning, washing his hands in that special way called Negelwasser, first reciting the Modani, even before the child can do it himself, making blessings. Al-Netilat Yadayim, after washing the hands. Shema Yisrael, the brachan tzitzit. The woman is creating a miniature sanctuary. She's creating an atmosphere in the home. Yes, we are here in the world to be a light unto the nations, but not in the way that we decide, but in the way that God decides. And therefore... It really is all about God's dream of this world being a dwelling place for him. And to find out what he exactly is about, we go to the book that he gave us. And we study with teachers who can give us that insight. It's an incredible, incredible privilege. We are not only a privileged people, but we live at a privileged time. We have to remember that it... The Holy Ari says that the souls of the people 
who left Egypt will be the same souls of the people who will greet the Mashiach. And our Rebbe has said that this is the last generation of exile and the first generation of redemption, which means that we, the women, are the same women who got the nation out of Egypt, as it says in the Gemara Saita, as a reward for the righteous women in that generation, our entire nation, the men, the women, and the children, were redeemed from Egypt. What did the women do? The women believed. The women lived their belief. They knew that God wanted them to have children. They did their best to have as many children as possible. They encouraged their husbands and their children to remain strong in the belief that soon the redemption would come. It's an incredible thing. Can we be the righteous women of our generation? We can try. What does it mean to be a righteous woman? It means really to put one foot in front of the other until ultimately we have reached the goal. We can't help it. Basically, it's up to us. And if it's up to us, and there are are no people greater than us, we've got to try and do what has to be done. Let me share this story. Once, during a Hasidic gathering of the Rebbe, the world-famous chess grandmaster Sam Roshevsky was in the audience. He was there at the Fabrengen. So the Rebbe said as follows, Hasidic philosophy encourages us to derive a lesson from everything we see and hear wherever we go in the world around us. And the Rebbe said, what spiritual lesson can be learned in Avodah Hashem and the service of God from the game of chess? And then he said, there are two types of players in the game. There are the officers the queen, the king, sorry, the knight, the bishop, the rook. And then there are the soldiers, or the pawns. The difference between them is that officers can jump beyond their particular location. They can move in all directions. They can cover ground quicker than the soldiers can, because they can only move forward in one direction. And the soldiers, the pawns, can only move forward one square at a time. Nevertheless, said the Rebbe, the foot soldier has a certain characteristic which makes him superior. When a pawn reaches the far side of the board, he can be elevated to the rank of queen. And so, says the Rebbe, the same thing is true in the game of life. There are two categories of players. There are angels and human beings. Angels have great powers. They can jump from one spiritual realm to the next. But they can never transform themselves into something else. Human beings, while limited in taking one step at a time, can eventually transform themselves and reach beyond their human limitations. We can reach beyond our natural limitations. The winners in life are not those that are born kings, but they are those, perhaps we could say, who grow wings. And in addition to that, 
I want to share this with you. There was a yeshiva student, a rabbinical student from Sydney, Australia, who once came to discuss his spiritual growth with the Rebbe. And during their conversation, the Rebbe said, you should know that the angels in heaven, despite their great spiritual elevation, envy you when you walk down bustling Bondi Junction wearing your kippah and your tzitzit proudly for all to see. Let's remember, we earn the respect of others when we respect ourselves. Let's respect our mission. Let's know that we are privileged and we are empowered. Let's take one step at a time. Good Shabbos.